Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm thankful to be back home, amen, after, praise the Lord, a, a very productive and successful mission, uh, mission encounter. We praise the Lord for, for approximately 50-something people who received Christ, amen, amen. And, and the number of, of lives that we were able to to pour into. Um, thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. I believe Elder Stowe on, on last Sunday or one of the Sundays told you uh, what you did the Sunday that I was leaving. Amen. I needed, I needed, I think around 1300 and something dollars. And before I left that evening, I had doubled that amount. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Which, which was good because, when, you know, when you get on the field, something else always comes up. But everything was covered. And I thank God for you all. Thank you for your faithfulness. This morning, I want to minister from Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Um, and verse 48 says, but, to, but the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment will be beating me a few blows. That's not what I'm going to minister on. But the last part of the verse says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And the King James, it says, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's what I'm going to use for a thought this morning, to whom much is given, much is required. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke and that removes the burden. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in worship this morning. Thank you for your divine protection that even rests over us right now in this worship experience. We want you to be glorified. God, we need you to speak to us this morning. Thank you for sending the word to us. I pray for your anointing so that we will hear and receive your word and yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed. Have your way. Anoint me afresh that I may communicate this word as you've given it to me to communicate. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. To whom much is given, much is required. Amen. Since I was laying in bed yesterday morning praying about the message to bring to you today, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, to whom much is given, much is required. I mean, just, I was saying, Lord, what am I going to minister on? I said, I'm tired. I don't feel like thinking. 
Amen. But I'm, th- I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you and let us speak to you. But I just heard, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And he immediately took my mind to this mission that I just came back from. You see, I had the opportunity to minister to 240 pastors in Kasungu, Malawi, and then another 130 pastors in Mulanji, Malawi. These pastors represented the various denominations across Malawi, but in particular in those areas that we ministered in. So think about that. The Lord gave me the opportunity to pour into the, the majority of denominations across the nation of Malawi. The leadership of the denominations and the churches of those particular regions. In Kenya, the, number, the numbers were smaller and basically with Graceway Missions, the church that we cover there, which is about 11 churches, However, it was still an opportunity to pour into God's servants who oversee and serve God's local churches and people. Now, now we might marvel at that. Oh, pass that down. Opportunity to pour into all of these leaders. And if I had been ministering here in the United States at a conference of 240 pastors or 300 70 pastors um, and, and, for the, uh, and for the time that I ministered because at, at one, in one conference I stood and ministered for three hours straight. I would have received a nice honorarium. Amen. Because here in the United States when you minister in conferences you get paid. You get a nice honorarium. And it's, the Bible says, uh, the workman is worthy of his hire. Yeah, so it's okay to get paid when you labor, you study, you prepare. Sometimes people don't think about that. With preaching, you think that you just stand up and start preaching. <laughs> but years of study has gone into my life and my ministry. Years of study, seminary. Seminary is expensive. Amen. If you don't believe it, ask Elder Hoskins and Brother Trevor and Minister Lawrence who've gone or are attending seminary. Seminary is expensive, so, you know, you have four years of college, you have three years of seminary, and above if you've studied beyond uh, for your doctorate degree. It's expensive. Amen. That's why teachers need to be paid better in the United States. Thank you. Amen. You have people who are, who are molding the lives of our children, and then you have these people that are throwing a ball around the field, They're not molding anybody's life. A lot of them don't have any kind of moral standards. They got babies all over the place, and they get paid millions of dollars while you give our, our teachers and our first responders that we depend on every day chicken change. But anyway... You know, many times when it comes to ministry, we don't realize that the, the amount of finances, the amount of time, the amount of effort that goes into being prepared. 
And, and of course, you know, I thank the Lord for my 40, 40, 48 years, 48 years of ministry. So if I had been ministering here in the United States, I probably would have got a very, very good honorarium for ministering that time. But on the mission field, the only thing that was given to me was food and water. And sometimes I paid for my own food and bought my own water. Mm. They didn't have or couldn't afford to pay me for coming or for ministering. In fact, I wasn't even looking to be paid. I remember the first time I, I, I ministered in Liberia and the pastor took up a love offering and I said to him, I should be giving you an offering. You should not be giving me an offering. And I didn't want to receive the offering. And he said, I'm trying to teach my people the value of giving. Of course, the offering probably didn't amount to more than, more than $50. It might have been four or 500 Liberian dollars, but at that time, it didn't amount to very much in U.S. dollars. But he said, I'm trying to teach my people the, the importance of giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but as I thought about that, to whom much is given came into play. To whom much is given, much is required. It came in, in very clearly to me on the mission field. The Lord saved me many years ago, and the Lord groomed me for such a time as this. He's blessed me with a good theological education. He's blessed me with a solid faith experience with mature preachers and teachers pouring into me over the years. I thank God for the pastors that I've sat under. I really do because I have not, I've not sat under, under foolish pastors. I may use that, that terminology. Uh, even growing up, and I was sharing with, with someone not too long ago, it may have been Trevor, I don't know who I was talking to, and I was, oh, and I was talking about even the pastor that I grew up under in my home church. Those pastors had gone to school. They had been trained. Now, I know schooling is not everything, but, but with the anointing, <laughs> you need some structure in your, in your life and in your study, and, and, and being a pastor is more than just Preaching on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And, and so my pastor had been trained, and, and, and the other pastors that I sat under had been trained. I remember when I was in seminary looking for a church when I first went to Atlanta. I found this nice little church, and I liked the, the, the sounds of the church, but I couldn't take the preaching. I, don't, I didn't mean it to hum. The man... You know how we in our tradition, we, we tune, and, and we call that preacher. But that man sounded like a goose honking, and I couldn't take it. <laughs> so I kept searching until the Lord placed me under the pastor that I served under for several years when I was in seminary uh, in Atlanta. Um, but I thank God for the pastors and the teachers that are poured into my life over the years. Yeah. Um, and, of course, my faith journey. Uh, and, my, and, and I've had many encounters 
with the Lord on this journey. Amen. You've heard me talk about that, how important it is for every one of us to encounter the Lord. Don't just have a faith that you heard somebody else talk about. You need to know God for yourself. Not just the God you read about in the Bible, but the God that you experience. And the Lord is very willing to give you personal experiences. He's very willing to encounter, encounter you on the journey if you are willing and ready and open to receive that encounter. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> and uh, in this mission journey, the, the Lord has mentored my heart and my mind so that I understand the importance of giving what has been given to me to strengthen the body of Christ and expand the kingdom of heaven. So my, my mission journey has helped shape me and mold me because it's a different journey. It's a different journey than going to seminary because many times seminary shapes you for church ministry. But when you begin to encounter people and training on the mission field, it's a different encounter. So I remember when I, after I came back from that conference in, in, in Los Angeles many years ago and having read um, uh, Dr. Isaiah Harvey's book on the, the foreign mission experience of the uh, National Baptist Convention, I read that book, I bought it, I heard him speak, and he inspired me, and I've, I shared this too. I just remember, you know, because when you talk about missions in the church, a lot of people are not, are not they're just not there. They don't understand that. But so I remember going to the, uh, to the President's Day in the Coliseum or Convention Center in Los Angeles, and the place was packed. I have a picture in there somewhere and, uh, where they took a scan of the Convention Center. I mean, this was on a Wednesday at noon, and it was President's Day, and the place was packed with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were there. And I went back on Thursday night for missions and education night, and you could find a seat anywhere. Now, these are pastors and church leaders. And you wonder why the mission, the, the effort to raise money for missions is, is, is such a struggle, because people don't understand the value of what God is doing in the world and how we play a part in that process. And so, so I came back, and then, you know, I started going to these seminars on parachurch para ministries, and a lot of them focused on missions, and, and God, was, God was preparing my heart for this mission journey. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to look beyond church ministry and feeding myself and feeding the people that God has given me so that they could just feed me to prepare me to go out into the world and teaching the people that God had given me the importance of looking beyond where we are right now and seeing the world. This is a world that we live in. It's not just York, South Carolina. You can tell people who've been exposed. I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but people who stay in their own little communities and don't know that the world is bigger than the community that they, that they live in, it's, it's just a difference. It's just a difference. Amen. I traveled. I don't mean this 
spiritual, I mean, uh, supernatural, I mean, you know, spooky, you know. I used to, I traveled before I traveled because I read. Amen. I would read. I remember the vision of going to Switzerland because, you know, I told you about my, my love for animals and cows and I was going to be a dairy farmer. Well, yeah, they, uh, Switzerland, I used to read about Switzerland to see pictures of their, of their Holstein cows and say, I'm going to go to Switzerland <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to have me a dairy farm in Switzerland. But, but I would read, you know, and, and the Lord was, all of this journey, the Lord was preparing me for what he's allowing me to, to do today. He's given me much. The Lord has given me much. Because he's given me much, it is required that I give much. Amen. It is required that I give much back to him through ministering to the people who can't afford to pay me for tangible work. Are you listening? I was so blessed when I visited, and I posted the picture on Facebook, I visited the home of this pastor in Kenya. Okay, we, he, he, uh, we administered in the city, and, and, and so we were going from one town to the next, and I told him, I want to go by your house. You know, I thought he had a, you know, he, he dressed well, he looked nice, you know, very, very statuesque, uh, you know, man, well-dressed. And so he was determined to take me by his house. And we got to his house after turning off the main road. Actually, we were going, and there's a lot of drug trafficking in, in, in that area of Kenya because we were close to the, to the border of, of Uganda, and the police were coming, and when they saw us turn off the road, they turned around and followed us because they thought that we turned off because we saw the police and we had some drugs in the car. <laughs> but anyway, you know, we turned off that road, then we turned off another road, then we turned off a road that... That was very narrow. We got to his house on his farm, and I saw this mud structure. It wasn't, it wasn't as large as that room there. And he was showing me his crops and everything, and then we went inside. Mud, just mud and thatch roof, a mud floor. And in the, in the first room we went to, I guess, was the living room. I think that was, a, that was either a table or a chair. But the thing that caught my attention was that the chickens were right there. And so he said to his wife, he, he reached down and grabbed a, a chicken. I don't know whether it was a rooster or, or a hen. Grabbed the hen and told his wife to tie it up. And he gave it to me. And I thought about a layer. I said, I need a layer here to kill this chicken for me. <laughs> I started to put that on Facebook, but I said, no, I won't put that on, that one on Facebook. That man. It was an honor for him to give me that chicken. But I wasn't expecting it. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to take it because here this man is living in a, in a mud hut. Mud walls, mud floors. As a matter of fact, it was damp. And I remember it being damp because it had been raining a lot. So apparently the house wasn't even sealed that much. I wasn't expecting it. I was doing the Lord's work, fulfilling the assignment on my life to give back to people 
who cannot afford to give to me. To whom much is given, much is required. Different aspect of ministering here in the United States because most of the time when we minister, we are expecting to get an honorarium. I remember when I was in seminary many years ago, coming home to preach for a youth service at a church at home, and I think they knew that I was in school in Atlanta, and I drove home, because I never, I never, even today, if somebody asked me, what do I charge, I don't, I don't charge anything. I, don't, I, don't, I can't say that. It is that those words just can't come across my mouth. Uh, and so I came home and preached all the way from Atlanta, and they gave me $25. I was literally insulted. <laughs> At least they could have paid for my gas, but maybe back then $20 would have bought a tank of gas. I don't know. You know, but then I took it and I shut my mouth because it was an opportunity to minister. Yeah. So when the Lord spoke to me yesterday morning, I began to realize how this top topic is so necessary in a rich nation like ours. And among individualistic, self-centered people like us who have so much and still want more. Man, young people, don't go to sleep on me now. This is, this, we need to hear this. And, and, and the younger generation especially needs to hear this. Because we have so much. And we're not satisfied with what we have. We want more. We want more. Think about what we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we don't realize our own wealth. And when, I th when I'm saying the word wealth, I'm, not, I'm including other things besides money. Because we have and we're not satisfied. James says <laughs> we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask to consume it upon our own lust. So when we ask God for more, we want more so we can have a bigger house, so we can buy more cars, so we can buy more clothes, so we can travel more, so we can go on a, a, a more expensive vacation. We're selfish. We're individualistic. It's all about us. It's all about us. Sometimes when we share, when we do share, it's tempered by what we want. Not need, by what we want for ourselves and for our own. And consequently, for many people, sharing can be meager of what is left over after we spent lavishly on ourselves. On our level, whatever level that is. Whatever level that is now, it's not just people who are making good money that spend lavishly on themselves. People can, you know, and I don't mean this disrespectful, but I noticed this a long time ago. People live in, can live in a project and drive a Cadillac or a BMW, you know. Because people think about Self-image and what makes them feel good and whatever they have, they spend it on themselves. A lot of people, you know, on welfare and get food stamps to go and buy steak and all this other stuff, you know, and have big parties, you know, whatever. They're thinking about themselves. Themselves. 
Saints, in order to, to, to experience the fullness of, of, of blessings that the Lord has stored up for us, we have to understand and embrace what he taught in his word about giving. And this concept in particular, to whom much is given, much is required. Now, again, think past money. Think about your educational experience. Think about the fact that some people are still in, in high school, one or two people in here, in elementary school, that you get up every morning and go to school and there is no fee for your education. You don't pay for the bus ride. Children, you know, I remember the first car I had. And my mother agreed to help me buy a Kadena. That's why I knew I was my favorite child because I was the only one among my sisters and brothers who had a car. So I was my mama's favorite. <laughs> I don't know why, but mama agreed to make half of the car payment. I made half. It was, it was only... See, this lets you know how old I am. Times change. The payment was only $100, I think, $100 a month. So mama paid 50 and I paid 50. I was in college. You know, but think about the, the vehicles we buy for our children, and they don't pay anything. Today, today, some of you here bought vehicles for your children. They didn't pay for it. And some of you want to buy and don't plan for your child to pay because we want to give to our children. And then sometimes the same children want more. You, got, you go to school that you don't pay for. You, you sleep in a bed that you didn't buy. I mean, a good bed, more than likely. You know, sheets on the bed that you didn't pay for. And I think about that pastor who invited me to his home. Mud floor. Mud hut. Only one little table. I could imagine, I don't know what, is, what he slept on, but I know that most people who live like that probably have a mat that they lay on the floor that they sleep on. Then he wants to give me a chicken. So when I talk about what you have, when I talk about your wealth, I'm not necessarily talking about money. My wealth is not in the money that I have. My wealth is in the education and the, the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience that God has given to me over the years. And God says, I've given you much. It is required that you give back much. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with your experience? A lot of us are just wasting time, wasting energies, you know, and we're only thinking about ourselves. Too much is given, much is required. If we don't understand this, we will not live up to our potential. We'll continue the downward spiral of our society into more individualism. Remember, I, I, I read the book Individualism in American Society when I was in seminary. I had to write a paper on that back in the 70s. So this didn't start yesterday. 
So our children have become more and more selfish and more and more individualistic because rather than the church maintaining the standard of giving and loving, we have become more individualistic. We have allowed the world to influence us. Some of us are not happy with little. We're just not happy. We're not happy because we don't have what other people have. We're looking at other people and we're not happy. Paul said, in whatever situation I find myself in, I've learned to be content. And godliness with contentment is great gain. Oof. Mm. If we don't change, we're going to continue this downward spiral, okay? And our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren will see a, a far worse world to live in that we see today. Mm. Well, I began to study and, and do some research on this verse, and I... I, 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 I Excuse me, I, I, I was reading an article by a lady by the name of Gloria Dye on Christianity.com, and she said some things that were important. Now, I read what she wrote, but I, I couldn't just read to you and tell you what she wrote. So the Lord began to speak to me in a different way, all right? Um, so that we can kind of understand uh, this topic, to whom much is given, much is required. And, and, and one of the things that she said is that this is a very important, a very popular topic uh, for modern-day Christians. And talked about how even in this film Spider-Man, uh, this philosophical statement was made, with great power comes great responsibility. It's not the first time we've heard this. If you didn't hear it in the Bible, and some of you like sci-fi, you watch Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Same concept, but we want to see it from a biblical perspective, okay? So we want to look at, at parts of, break down this statement, okay? Uh, the first thing we, we notice as we look at the statement is that the generosity of God is boundless. God is generous. God is very generous. And I would say especially to those of us here in the United States in general, and then, in particular, in our personal lives, right? He's very generous. Very, how many of you would agree that the Lord is generous? Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. Uh, we live in a free nation with boundless opportunities. Boundless. How many of your children can just select a school that they want to go to and apply for grants or or loans to go to that school. Anywhere in the United States, and of course it costs more when you go out of state. Boundless opportunities. Our children can go to school, colleges and universities. And here I am in Malawi talking about education and children graduating the top of their class, but they have to compete with others and the government selects who goes to school, who, who is able to enter the university. Even though you have the education, even though you have the grades, you don't get the opportunity to go just because you're smart. And now that, 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 that 
the cost of living is rising around the world. In Malawi, Apostle Trafunda said we were passing by the School of Science and Technology way out in the middle of nowhere. I said, that's, that's a, he said, yes, that's one of the top universities in Malawi, but it's so expensive that only the government officials' children can afford to go to school. Because they're the ones who have the money. You think about Liberia. People want to work for the government because that's where the money is. Because when other countries send money into the country to supposedly help the country develop, those in government take their part. More than their part. Someone said, one lady said to, said to him, well, I'm, I'm a senator and, and the money is given is for the people. So I'm one of the people, so I get mine off the top. That's the philosophy. And, and they don't just get theirs off the top. They're riding around with the most expensive cars. They have a salary, all right, that they make that's like maybe five or $6,000 a month. They have a gas allowance. They have a heating allowance. They have a travel allowance. They have a servant allowance. And then they skim money. Sometimes I wish that, that people would invite me to Washington, D.C. when they are deciding they're going to send money to Liberia. I probably wouldn't live very long because they'd probably kill me because I'd be telling, don't give them any more money. Yeah. We live in a nation with boundless opportunities. There may be obstacles, but we live in a nation with boundless opportunities. We can drive from here to California basically without restrictions. We cross state boundaries without restriction. So here we are in Milan. We're driving from uh, Kasungu back to Blantyre, a distance from here to Atlanta. And there were so many police checkpoints along the way. See, you see, we don't realize what we have. I've talked about educational opportunities. Opportunities for the arts. Our, our children can participate in band and in drama and, and in choir and all of these other things that are offered to them to help make their life experience better. You don't find that in these countries. You don't, just don't find it. We don't realize how wealthy we are. And we don't realize that these opportunities that we have are God's generous blessings in our lives. That many people just don't have. Then you think about how God has blessed you personally. You have a house that if you had to pay cash for, you wouldn't be living in. Anybody? So you get a mortgage, right? Anybody got a mortgage? So I'm talking to this young man, and they've been building a house for three years. He said, finally, I started working for this other company who might help me get a mortgage. So they build their houses when there's money. So you make a certain amount of money, and you build your house. And he said, now we're at, the, at roof level, and I have to... The, the, the lumber is so expensive here in this town, I got to go all the way up to the north 
which is another six, seven-hour drive to get lumber from there to put my to put my roof on. But I've been building a house for three years. How long does it take for you to start from 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 ground level to move in here in the United States? Do you realize how wealthy we are? Yeah, you have a vehicle. You have clothes. Most of us, our, our pantries are full of food. Our freezers are packed jam with food. We can keep food. We freeze food. We, some of us can food. When you look at other parts of the world where they live from day to day, unless they dry the food, they only can eat meat when it's either caught in the jungle or they buy it fresh from the market. I'm riding through Malawi and I'm looking at them. I took a picture of this, hadn't posted it yet. And, and we wouldn't buy it. So here the meat is. There was, a, there was a, a place that butchered cows and they have these big meat. I think it was the, the hind part. I don't know, what do you call it for the cow? I know for the hog is the ham. Hanging up outside. I was going with the pastor Chapano one time to buy some beef, and I happened to get out of the car and go in with him. He said, oh, I can't buy beef. because flies were everywhere. You wouldn't buy that. We're blessed, saints. We're blessed. Medical care. Don't, let's, let's talk about that. How many of us have medical insurance? Got it. You go to the doctor. You, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about the bill. You may have something left over, but most of us, we, we, we pay a copay. You go in, $15, $10, $25, and you see your doctor. Your insurance pays for your medicine. But here we are talking about nations of the world where when you go to the hospital, there's no medicine at the hospital. You're sick, you got to leave the hospital, go to the pharmacy that's probably owned by the doctor and buy the medicine and take it back to the hospital so you can be treated. Here we are in the great United States. And now for some people, this may not even matter to you. You don't even care. <laughs> not just y'all in here, people watching this online but it speaks to our mindset. Because we're selfish, we're individualistic, we care about ourselves. We don't think about where all of this comes from. Where did your car come from? Where did your job come from? Where did that company come from? Where did the resources that that business is built upon or that company is built upon. Where did all of this come from? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Hebrews 3 and 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Ezekiel 18 and 4 says, Behold, all my soul, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son, God says, is mine. Psalm 50 verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, 
the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. Where did all of this come from? Where did the blocks or the bricks or the lumber or the shingles to build your house come from? God has blessed us, saints. His generosity to his people is boundless. And God even allows the sun and the rain, the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. We've got to start recognizing God's generosity. Generosity. God's generosity. He's given us much. It's his generosity. We don't have just because. No. no. We don't have just because. We don't have a lot of money just because. We don't have the houses we live in just because. Next thing as you look at this, to whom much is given, much is required. Now you read the context, and I'm not talking much about the context of this, but all of this ties into the context of this. All right? Because, all right, you know how that goes, okay? Look at your watch and just say, we're going to be here for a little while. <laughs> Amen. And so be still and know that the Lord is God. <laughs> Don't be anxious. We're going to get through this. No one has the right to live for himself alone. You don't have the right just to think about you. You might only think about you, but that's not a right that God has given you. The phrase, to whom much is given, much is required, means that nobody has the right to live for him or herself alone. It specifically implies that much is required from the one to whom much has been given. Okay? All right. And this requirement doesn't mean that because much has been given to you, that that, that your tithe is bigger than the next person's tithe. 10% is 10% regardless of how you count it. And God is not looking at the amount. God is looking at the percentage. So he's not talking about simply giving to him. Too much is given, much is required. It's dealing with the fact that we have people who are in need in this world that we must give to Think about the scripture that says, the poor you have with you always. Some people use that to say, not us, I know we don't, we don't do this, to say that we shouldn't be given so much to missions because there are poor people around us. Well, I tell you, the poorest of the poor in the United States does not compare to the poorest of the poor or to the poor in other nations of the world. That just doesn't compare. Because you can go get food stamps if you don't have food. You can go to the food bank, you know. You don't have food. You know, you see people, when you have, get food giveaways, they go to every food giveaway, some of them, not everybody. You know, I worked for DSS. I remember when we were giving away cheese. Folk were in line fighting over cheese. The government cheese at that. At least they could have been fighting over imported cheese. <laughs> you know, a, a higher quality cheese, if you don't fight, they were fighting over that cheese. <sighs> yeah. 
This is a requirement toward other people. Okay. We, we read in the Bible, Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 7, none, for none of us lives for himself alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. You're not in this world to live for yourself. You're just not in this world to live for yourself. We look at the first century Christians. They caught the revelation in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, now the multitude of those who believed were one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. Now, I grew up with 11 children. There were 11 of us in the house. So, so we had to share. All right. There, there was no such thing as this is mine. You'd be so thankful mama would cook something that somebody else didn't want. And you'd be so thankful that maybe you got another piece of it. I thank God for growing up the way I grew up because it taught me to, it taught me to share. But think about the number of things that you have. You got two or three children, you have toys and children. This is mine! You know, our toys were the musket iron vine that swung from one tree to the next. So we were glad to go and grab the vine and, and, and catch one another swinging across the gully. This is mine. You know, you have, to, you have to fuss with children to share. No, 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 you got to share. We grew up knowing how to share. But we're not to, in, in the early church, they, it's recorded that, that, that not, none of them said that what he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common and look what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says. And it says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Sometimes we wonder why grace is not upon us the way it was in the early church. We have moved far away from what God wants us to be. And our selfishness, and our selfishness, God gave God gave. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So whatever God has given you, whatever you have in your possessions, just know he didn't give it to you just for you. I thank God. Now, I realize that a lot of times I preach to the choir because this is a giving congregation. I mean, it was just evidenced just a few weeks ago, when you gave to this mission trip. I mean, in a matter of moments, you gave $2,600 after you gave your tithes and offerings. Some of you were sending cash up, you know, and doing this and that. I thank God for that. Some people gave when they should have, well, you know, I shouldn't say it like that. Some people gave out of their, out of their lack. They gave. They gave. Oh, are we teaching our children to do the same thing? When it comes to giving time and energy, I can remember how the older men took time with us. So consequently, at the age of 18 or 19, somewhere in there, I was a treasurer of a community credit union. I didn't go to school at 18, 19. I was just starting college. I had not have a, had a course in accounting, but the treasurer took me, sat me down, taught me how to handle the books and balance the books and keep people's uh, shares and everything in order. I remember how those older men would take time with us. I mean, we had to go to church. You had to wear a necktie. You know, you, had to, you, you couldn't go to church without a necktie on. 
but they taught us how to lead. I mean, I knew Robert's Rules of Order when I was, uh, 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 before I graduated from high school. I was the first president of our, our fifth Sunday Sunday School Union. And we wanted that. You know, back then, you know, we wanted, you know, young people today don't necessarily want church. But we wanted church. Now, you can't say that was nothing else to do because everybody didn't want that. You know, that was baseball. Of course, they wouldn't do it on Sunday. And we, we got to see how the world has kind of influenced us so that so many things are on Sundays and Wednesdays, which are two, two days that the church set aside for worship and Bible study. There were other things to do. People play baseball, they play basketball, football, they were on the band. But some of us wanted church. We wanted what we saw. We, we, we respected our leaders. And, and I'm not saying that they were all perfect because we knew some of them had, you know, issues. I don't need to go into. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not living in a bubble. So, you know, we knew some of them had issues. But we still respected our leaders, and they took time. They gave their time, and they gave their energy. I remember my daddy, I mean, he not only was over the, the, the youth in church, but he would pick up children on Wednesday for Bible study and pick up children for choir rehearsal. And when the choir had to go to engage with somebody, his, his car was full. Daddy always he had so many children. He already always had a station wagon that, that, that seated 9 or 11 people. Always, youth baseball, always giving back. Now we're so busy, we don't have time for anybody else's children. And if we don't have time for other people's children, what does that say for our children? We're not setting the pattern. To whom much is given, much is required. There's a purpose in what God is saying to the church today. Let me go ahead and finish this. The Bible says, well, third point, there is great responsibility to what we've received. Great responsibility for what we've received. So I've received all of this. I'm standing in, in, uh, in, in Melange and I'm teaching these pastors and I'm, I'm realizing that what I'm teaching is, is basic, simple things. And then the Spirit of the Lord said to me, but you've had an opportunity to be trained in such a way that they've not had the opportunity. That's why I put you here. Because I've given you much, and you must take advantage of what I've given you and pour into these pastors. You know, as people say, I want to go on a mission field with you. What do I want? My first question is, why do you want to go? <laughs> you want to just experience Africa? Uh, so, well, you just need to get you a tour, join a tour group somewhere and experience Africa because if you go with me on a mission trip, that's work to be done. We don't have time to be doing a lot of touring for you to experience Africa because that's not the purpose of missions. I remember my first days of missions when we were, they were bringing all of these young people to Africa. And, and, you know, and then after a while, you see this person dating that person and that person sending for this person from Africa to come to the United States. And you know, some of the folk who visit folk in prison so they can get a husband. 
You don't go on the mission field looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Matter of fact, that shouldn't be on your mind. When I was going with Habitat for Humanity, one of the requirements was that even if a boyfriend or girlfriend goes together, you don't show affection publicly because you're not there dating. You're there to do the work. You see, selfish people in the United States, the first thing we will say is, this is my life. I live it the way I want to live it. Nobody tells me what to do. Well, you need to stay where you are until you learn some common sense. Until you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Responsibility for what we have received. When I think about that word responsibility, I probably said this before, but you respond to the ability that God has given you. See, some people may be saying, God has not given me much, but whatever God has given you, you are to respond to that ability right where you are because somebody else needs what God has freely given to you. God has freely given to us, so we must freely give to those who are in need. Because when we give to others, we glorify God. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. That's another translation of the scripture. So when the Bible says required, the Bible is, in another translation of that word is demanded. So this is not optional. This is what God has demanded of us. All that we will come to that revelation. And again, we're not talking simply about money, but if you have a lot of money, you should be given a lot. But we're speaking of, 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 of gifts and abilities and knowledge and wisdom and skill to whom much is given, much is demanded. God demands this from his followers. Luke. Romans 12, 14 and 10 says, for we, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. See, we thank the Lord that, we, that, we, that, 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 that we're under the blood of Jesus. Our sins have been judged on the cross. But there's another aspect of judgment that we fail to look at, that we will give an account before God. And when you look at these parables, Jesus is talking about the account. So when you stand before God, and God says, I gave you this, what did you do with it? You know the talent, the, the parable of the talents. The master was getting ready to take a journey, and he came and he called three of his servants. He gave one five talents. Talents meant money. It was a term for that money, like we use dollars, and, and Dominican Republic used pesos, and, and Malawi used quanches. Talents! One five, one two, and to one he only gave one. Well, we know the story if we read the scripture. If you haven't read the scripture, you need to be reading the scripture. By now, somebody say, by now, you should have been through the Bible five times, at least. The one he gave five talents went and, and then he gave them the instruction to trade with this until I come again. Well, he went on this journey and stayed a long time, but he came back. The one he gave five talents came back and said, Master, 
I earned five more. He gave it. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to make you rule over ten cities. One he gave two, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to make you ruler over four cities, the last one. The, the talent you gave me, here it is. I knew you were a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. You gather where you've not scattered. So I brought your talent and gave it back to you because he went and dug a hole and put it into the ground. Now, first of all, the man was insulting. You go to your master and you insult your master to his face. So I knew you know, I thought about that. That speaks to that own person's low self-esteem. You project into somebody else. Now, here are these other two men. The man has been generous to them. Why would he not be generous to you? Because you think negatively, you're judgmental. Oh, how many people in the church are negative thinkers? They're judgmental. They have such low self-esteem. You can't trust them with anything. Because they're not going to do anything with it. They take their talents and they dig a hole and put it into the ground. The man said, well, if you knew that I was like this, then at least you could have taken my money and put it in the bank and it would have drawn interest. He said, you wicked, <laughs> you slowful, you lazy. I mean, I, I just like that parable because it speaks to a lot of people. You're going to come and judge me. I've been generous to you because I didn't give you what I gave somebody else. And then you're going to be judgmental to me? And I'm the one who has, and I'm trusting you? And you're going to come back and be judgmental to me? Come on. You wicked, you slowful servant. He said, take from him. Take it from him and give it to the one who has much with the five talents. He said, throw him. I think he said, throw him into the and out of darkness. Judgment upon him. What God gives you, God demands that you use it for his glory. It's responsibility that comes with it, and that also speaks to the fact, and I'm going to stop right at this point, that speaks to the fact that we will be held accountable, saints. This parable speaks to accountability. And nobody escapes accountability. So what has God given to you? To whom much is given, much is required. Not just for you and your house. So we will go, we will go. Our, you know, those of us who had children in band, we remember just going, going, going. All over the state of South Carolina, spending money. Spending time watching our children in band. How many of us are willing to do that for a child that's not our own? When their parents can't afford to do it. We would see children sometimes. And, and we didn't do it. I'm not saying that because I did it. But think, I think about what my daddy used to do. For parents who didn't have cars. Wasn't that we were rich. But we had what some other people didn't have. I remember Thanksgiving, some of the men that worked with my daddy, they, they, they had alcohol problems, 
and they will get paid on Friday, and, 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 and by Sunday they will come and ask Daddy to lend them some more money. But every Thanksgiving, when Mama cooked for her, 11 children, her and her husband, she made sure that some of those men who didn't have families had food to eat. And they would never allow us to disrespect them. You said, yes, sir. You said, yes, ma'am. Regardless of what the person did, you respected them. To whom much is given, much is required. What do you have? What do you have? Young people, what do you have? The houses you come from, how blessed are you? The families you come from, how blessed are you? You don't have what you have to flaunt it in front of other people. You don't have. When I got ready to leave Malawi, that pastor that took me to his house, I put some money in his hand. Two men, one other man came and interpreted for me. I met him before. Just gave him some money. I was walking down the street walking from my hotel from where we going to the shop, right? And I saw this lady with a baby on her back. And she saw a piece of paper laying there on the ground and she stopped and she scratched it. She picked up the paper. There was nothing in the paper. She threw it back down. She shook her head. She didn't know I was about behind her. I'm thinking, that baby is hungry. That lady doesn't have food. So I reached in my pocket and I took out a thousand quats and I gave it to her. She said, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. And I could have thought, I got to pay my hotel bill. But see, much had been given to me. So I had more than enough to pay my hotel bill. These three little children walked in the store, and I realized they didn't have much. And they were just looking around. And one little girl seemed to be older than the others. And I said, are these your, your brothers? She said, they're my friends. And I gave her somebody. I said, here, take this, divide it, and buy your friend something. And even if she took it home and gave it to her parents, that was more than they had. More than they had. Too much is given. Much is required. Some many people have much in the sanctuary who come to the fellowship of believers and sit down on it. We can talk to you about this needs to be done, that needs to be done, and you will only want to come and sit under the preaching every Sunday and not volunteer your time. To whom much is given, much is required. I guarantee if we, if we said we're going to have an evangelistic outreach, we're going to put up things on the outside for the children, we're going to invite the kids across the street and a whole lot of kids over there. I need volunteers. People, some people would volunteer. A lot of people would have, not, have something else to do. Too much is given, much is required. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. To whom much is given, much is required. There should never be a time when there is a need, and we mention the need that we don't have 100% participation in some way or another. You see, <laughs> you may not have $1,000 to give. 
You might have $5 to give, but if that's all you have, God blesses that five. You may not have money, but, but you can make sure that, that you spend time in prayer. To whom much is given, much is required. You can make sure that your children are given some of their time and volunteering in some way, in some form or fashion, Somewhere in the community to whom much is given, much is required. I pray that this message is spoken to somebody today. That song says, I won't complain. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now, but don't complain. God sees, God knows. Bible says if you give, it'll be given back to you, good measure, shaken together, pressed down and running over. Men will give into your bosom. When people see your heart and they see what you do, some way, somehow, I've found out that God will bless you. It may not be where you're expecting it to come from, but God will bless you. To whom much is given, much much, much is required. Let's stand. So I just, this morning, uh, kind of don't know how to give this in, but this is an altar call. <laughs> it's an altar call for recommitment and rededication to the things of God. Even if you are a giver, maybe the Lord is speaking to you about something else that you can do. Maybe you've categorized your giving. Well, you know, I give my tithes and offerings. I give the bishop, bishop when he goes on a mission trip. But, but maybe there's another area of your life that the Lord is speaking to you about. I believe that some way, somehow, the Lord has spoken to us from this message. God is not a selfish God. God always considers his people and not just his children. Remember, we said that the Lord reigns on the just as well as the unjust. How is God speaking to you today? Because God is speaking. God is speaking. God has spoken and God will continue to speak to you. To whom much is given. Much is required. Maybe the Lord is trying to help you see the much that you have. Maybe you've 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 uh, uh, digressed into complaining and being ungrateful because you don't have what somebody else has, or you don't have what you want.
The Lord is speaking. The Lord is ministering to someone. You see, when we get to the point that we start complaining about what we don't have, we fail to look at what we do have, and then we become unappreciative. You're complaining. Think about that pastor that lived in that mud hut. You say, well, I live in the United States. I'll never live in a mud hut, but you might end up under a bridge. Think about that person in the United States that's living under a bridge, living in a cardboard construction just to cover them from the rain, wearing layers and layers of clothing in the wintertime to keep them from the cold. Think about them. Think about next time people ask you for a coat because they're collecting coats for the needy and you have things sitting up in your closet that you won't even give out you'd rather save. Take to a yard sale. Think about the food that you won't eat. You throw away. Stuff you let spoil in your refrigerator because you don't want to eat leftovers or you're too lazy to freeze it and eat it later. We're so blessed, saints. The Lord is ministering to us. To much is given. To whom much is given, much is required. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that your word is not returned to you void. Thank you that your word has accomplished what you desire. Thank you that you're prospering your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for ministering to our hearts today. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you're not saved today, you're in the sanctuary, you're online watching us, we want to give you this opportunity right now to yield your life to Jesus. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave to you so that you can be saved. Gave his only begotten son. Satisfied divine justice on your behalf so that you don't even have to satisfy him. God gave and he asked you to trust him. Give your life to him. Will you give your life to Jesus? If you're a backslider and you need to be, need to rededicate your life to Christ, I want to pray for you now. Whether you're online, uh, in the sanctuary, I'm going to pray for you right now. If you're not saved, I want you to follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe, as the preacher said, that you gave your life to satisfy God's law on my behalf you died in my place thank you for that sacrifice Lord Jesus I accept the sacrifice that you made for me I accept you as my Savior and my Lord come into my life save me 
from my sin. I receive you now. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.